I've been here for uh, five years and eight months, and um, this is the first time uh, communion talk was about what I'm preaching on. Um, so I'm just going to make something up as we go. That's not true. I'll, well, the frustrating thing is Rick did a fantastic job, but he also showed you it could be done in five minutes, <laughs> which is not a great look for me. Four, three, three. Well, here we go anyway. <laughs> you couldn't work Gomer in? Well, I just filtered a lot of things, so you're good. Uh, <laughs> when he mentions Gomer, everyone was like, what's Benjamin going to say about Gomer? Nothing, I didn't. I'm moving on. Um, so, uh, I have a, um, a frustration with our, um, the, the way we do things um, in our current culture. And not they, we don't talk about they here. You don't preach to people who are outside these walls. They rarely hear it. But the way we kiss up to power and speak truth to the powerless. Uh, we have a tendency to do that. Anyway, where we we say that we, the people in charge, especially if they're people in charge that we like, can do no wrong. Then the people that we might think have less than us, we think, why don't you just do what I do? The prophets spoke differently to power. They knew that their team needed to improve. Whether it be a king of Israel or a king of Judah, what, they would go to these people and they would say, you need to serve the Lord or else trouble will befall you. You need to serve the Lord. And so people would speak power to their own group. Speak the word of God to their own group. But the way we do things often is we shoot barbs back at other groups. And we say, that group over there. Yeah, that group has a lot to do, a lot wrong with it. So does your group. We look like, a lot of times in, in our current American society, we look like high school football coaches coaching the other team. Whenever we could call the people that we have ends with, that we know that we have relationships with, we could call them to God. But we're much more comfortable on Facebook saying, oh, the world is bad. Oh, those people. But prophets make you uncomfortable. There's something flying. Got it. You never know what's going to happen in this church. So much so that when we were singing, um, Behold, He Comes, Riding on the Cloud, at one point um, I looked over and baby Nathan, is he one today? Tomorrow. He's one tomorrow. Nathan pointed up at nothing and scared me to death. They're like, Behold, He Comes Now. Like I thought, I didn't know. You never know what's going to happen here. Yeah. But we... We need to be speaking to our own 
ourselves, our own families, our own communities, our own, our own church, our own communities, our own towns, our own schools, the people that we can affect with the word of the Lord, but we spend a lot of time on Facebook speaking truth to people we can't affect. We spend a lot of time in the world speaking truth about people we can't change. And there is, if you stare at any person in power long enough, a frustrating element to them. And you may want that to change. Your community needs you more than your country does. Yourself, your family, your church, your community, we're working outward and making this place, speaking truth into this place. We need truth in this place. And yes, speak up, speak up for those that are broken. Speak up against those who break. But we can't try to shoot the word of the Lord to Washington, D.C. or to um, whoever really runs the world. I don't know where. They, are they based in Greenland? I'm not sure. We can't shoot the message of God over the heads of our neighbors to people who won't hear it. The prophets spoke, pow- spoke the word of the Lord to power. And then they did something else to those in need. And you see this with Elijah, Elisha. Didn't you as a kid just think, good grief, could they have not like been Elijah and Tom? Like, Elisha's so close to Elijah, who's doing what around here? But Elisha's, Elisha's in 2 Kings predominantly, and Elijah's at the back half of 1 Kings. Um. If the question is who rolled up a garment and slapped some water and made it part, both of them did. That's all of the above, and that's the only one. But Elijah and Elisha spoke truth to power. Hosea spoke. Hosea, there's a scene in Hosea where Hosea jumped. They're having a party that's sort of celebrating a different God, and he jumps up onto the. Um, the outer encompassing circle, this little brick, these stones, he jumps up on there, and they're having a party, middle of the party. And he goes, I'm going to make it awkward. And then then he starts yelling. That's not what he says, but that's what he does. He speaks truth to people who value things that aren't true. He spoke the word of God to powerful people and most prophets died because of it. But then when they showed up at your house, it was a different story. They, they spoke truth in a different way. Um, let's go to uh, first King, or Second Kings chapter 4. I have the right scriptures this time. Um, if you weren't here last week, I had the wrong scriptures on the screen. And let's just say I was befuddled. Elisha is staying with a woman. She has shown him hospitality. And like Rick said, this woman, unnamed. Don't know her name. We know the names of all the kings. 
But this woman who acted God in a godly way toward Elisha, we don't know her name. Same thing happens in 1 Kings 17, I believe, where the, uh, a, uh, a woman is gracious to Elijah. We don't know her name. We have um, instances where just before this and earlier in 2 Kings 4, uh, we have a woman who needs, she's a poor woman, who needs food, and he gives her food. The miracle is sustenance. And we don't know her name. And Elijah is very thankful for this woman, and he asked his, um, his servant Gehazi, what can be done for her? Gehazi reports, she has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. Elisha said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And she says, no. No, Lord, no, my Lord. That's a way of saying, no, sir. And it's a, a sign of respect. No. She objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had, Elisha has told her. The child grew. And one day, he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. That you can actually tell this is how they treated children. They did, the child was a worker. Once he quit being a worker, you don't like rescue the child yourself. You send a servant to take care of the child. Carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up, carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. In this short little passage... Eight verses. Short little passage. We have a, a birth and a death. We have miraculous creation and the intrusion of death. Once the boy dies, the, the mom decides, I'm going to go see Elisha, I have a bone to pick. She actually tells him, I didn't ask you for this. I didn't ask you for a child, but you gave him to me, and now he's dead. So they go back. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door. Then she gets Elisha, brings him to the house. Elisha says, everyone out. The boy was lying dead on this couch, probably a futon. He went in, shut the door, and the two of them, uh, on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. He got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands as he stretched himself out on him. The boy grew warm, but not quite alive. 
Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room. And then he got in the bed and stretched out once on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times, which is, you know, like if you're Elisha laying on him, that was you weren't expecting it. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, take your son She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Short little story. Where Elijah stood in front of Ahab and all the prophets of Baal, and he said, God is the true God. You will know it today. And and they they built two altars. Do you remember this story? They built two altars. Elijah built his altar, and then uh, the, the... Prophets of Baal built their altar and um, they, they, they prayed and they prayed and Elijah taunted them, said, maybe your God is sleeping. They don't translate it very well, but there's actually a passage where he says, maybe he's in the restroom. Maybe that's where he is. Maybe that's where he's gone. Where's your God kingdom? What do you worship kingdom? The kingdom always worships power. The kingdom always worships wealth. The kingdom always worships control. They think that's power. The earthly kingdom thinks that wealth and control, greed. They think that's power. And then in this small little story, we are reminded of the power of God to create and to conquer death. The power of God is bigger than just Getting what I want in this world. I'm a firm believer that most of us in this room will have a smaller dwelling place in heaven. A lot of people in Kenya will have larger ones. We might need a good downsize. We might need a better community. In the kingdom of God... They celebrate resurrection. They celebrate creation. And they know that that, what what that kingdom does, is fool's gold. To God, all gold is fool's gold. It's on the streets. Why are you worshiping pavement? They know that that power is not Power. When Jesus stands before Pilate and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. He's not saying my kingdom is elsewhere. That's not what he's getting at. There's two word worlds for two words for world. You try that later in the shower. There's two words for world. One. One is like this place. The other means this system. We use it both ways. Actually, we say earth and world. 
Earth is the place where we are. The world is how things are working in this place. And Jesus says, my kingdom isn't of this world. What he means is, my kingdom doesn't work like that. He said, if, if, if I were of this kingdom, I would summon soldiers and I would, summon, I would get power and we would march up here and we would try to take you by force. My kingdom doesn't work like that. My kingdom conquers death. My kingdom is the kingdom that follows the God who created the life in us and gives it back in the name of Jesus. My, our kingdom is bigger and more powerful than the kingdoms the world thinks have power. We should feel free to speak truth to that power. And that might not always mean sending the president a tweet. That might not always mean emailing your representative or, or calling the mayor and griping at him. Mike's sat on the wrong side of that conversation several times. That might not always mean speaking truth to those who are in charge. But speaking truth to greed. Speaking truth to violence. Speaking truth to the word of God. To brokenness. A prophet is not as um, talented as an individual as we often think when we say the word prophet. We think prophet and um, we like close our eyes. We think somebody just like, oh, and the future is. We had a, we had a psychic in Queen while I was growing up. Um. I've never understood when psychics decide, you know what, I'm going to file those business papers now. Because you, you have to be a business. Um, but then Rachel and I were coming into the Queen one time after we'd gotten married, and it said, closing soon. And I said, I wonder if she saw that coming. And there's no way to know. But prophets aren't psychics. Prophets are just people who speak the true word of God. If you continue down this path, there will be consequences. If you keep running from God, there will be consequences. If you keep violating the will of God and celebrating those who do, there will be consequences. It's not going to end well. That road doesn't end at the kingdom. That road ends in despair and hopelessness and just being left with the fact that my world isn't held up by very secure strings. Jesus says, my kingdom doesn't work like that. My kingdom. Jesus spoke truth to Pilate. But Jesus also spoke truth to death. Just like Elisha laying on this unknown child. When they write textbooks in the future, I won't be in them. Neither will most of you. Um, the Harrison boys have the closest shot. They'll, they'll probably go viral faster than anybody else here. 
it won't, I won't be in it. Three generations from now, my great, great, great grandkids will have to ask their parents or ask Clara, Macy, and Nolan what my name was. I will be forgotten. And God will still reign. I will be forgotten and the and resurrection will still be true. The tomb will still be empty. Death will still have been conquered and sin will be washed away. All of that will still be true. So why don't I live for the kingdom that doesn't fall away? Why don't I live for the kingdom that is Jesus's, the true king, Jesus? Because that's the only thing that lasts. It's the only thing that, has, that I have a chance in, in moving forward with to eternity. Like I said at the beginning, you may need to be a prophet for your family. You, need to, you may need to speak truth to yourself. Women don't do this. this isn't, I, in my experience, this is not the way women work. Men do this. I've talked about it with actually a couple of people this week. See yourself in the mirror and you think, yeah. And then you see yourself in a picture that someone took from like a weird angle. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm an Oompa Loompa. That's not... What... I think it's reversed in gender sometimes. Or maybe it's just all bad on the other side. But the, the, typically when we're looking at ourselves, we're looking at our best features. And you might need to speak truth to you. You might need Jesus to speak truth to you. Go read the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters. And then count how many times it hurts your feelings. Because it will. We might need to speak truth to ourselves, to our families. But that truth has to come with hope that the tomb is empty. The cross was endured. Creation has fallen, but it has been redeemed. And we are living in a different kingdom. You, don't, you may think you're at church, but you're at a rebellion. We are rabble-rousers for the way of God. We are called to more than just doing the next thing that the world has called us to do. My king's kingdom doesn't work like this. I will not be obsessed with money. I will not be obsessed with fame. I will not be obsessed with, with power and control. And we will be prophets to ourselves and our, to, our, to our communities. If we follow the best and truest prophet of God, the prophet who was God, the one who was the Son of God, miraculously birthed and conquered the death that we all fear is inevitable for all of us. Jesus is the resurrection, the way, the truth, the life. There is no way to the Father but Him.
Can't buy it. Can't wrestle it away. A powerful attempt. We are called to that kingdom. Two things. You may need to be, uh, you need, may need to pray that you get better at hearing the truth. You need, you may need to start reading your scripture. Reading about Jesus. So that you can be convicted of such a truth. A good sign, just pay attention to yourself if you're reading Scripture, a good sign that you might be in the wrong camp is if when you read the words of Jesus, everybody else comes to your mind. That's not following Jesus. That's enforcing Jesus. Following Jesus is when we read the text and we say, I'm not there yet, but thank God for grace. Thank God for forgiveness. And thank God for redemption. You want to switch teams? You want to join Jesus? Be buried in His death, burial, and resurrection. Lifted up to walk in newness of life. Promised resurrection. Promised Holy Spirit. Promised redemption. Or maybe you've been following the wrong kingdom even after you committed to the true king. You want to turn your life around. Today is the day. Please come forward while we stand and sing.